and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, new and improved, prayer, evangelism, and talk is described and illustrated in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. Proverbs 25, verse 11 says this, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstance. Sometimes when I'm channel surfing on my television, I go through QVC and they sell everything under the sun on QVC, as you know, and they're good salesmen. Uh, They're sharp, they're articulate, uh, they know how to present a product to the camera so it looks the best. And sometimes the jewelry for women is on QVC and you see some amazing pieces of jewelry. And some of the ones I saw recently as I was going through the channels were gold and silver hybrid jewelry. Just so beautiful to see the two kinds of metals complementing each other. Well, God says there's something more beautiful than QVC, women's jewelry with silver and gold. It's our speech. It's our speech as Christians when our speech is spoken properly in the right circumstances. So where would that begin today? You say, all right, I want to be new and improved in my prayer. I want to be new and improved in my evangelism. And I also want to be new and improved in my talk. Where would my change of talk start? Right out there. When you leave your pew after the last part of the service and you go to the foyer, start new and improved talk right there. Where does it start? It starts now. Where does it start? It starts here. If not here, where does it start? If not now, when does it start? New and improved prayer, new and improved evangelism, and new and improved talk. I met Johnny in an unusual way. He came up to me after a morning service at Fairhaven's Community Church in Beaverton, Ontario, and he said, I'm Johnny, and I'm a heroin addict. And then he said, I have driven by this church building on the highway from the time it was first being built. And every time I would drive by the church building and seeing it progress and being built, I thought, I need to go in there to find God. I need help with my addiction from God. But he said to me, I've been totally frightened to come in. A lot of people that you know outside these walls are frightened to come in this building. They are. Be gentle. Be patient. Be kind. Meet them in the parking lot or meet them in the foyer and sit with them. Johnny said to me, I told you I was a heroin addict because I am a heroin addict who's recovered. I went to a doctor in Aurelia, which is the city near to where the church building was, and I could tell that he was kind and genuine and a good doctor. And he has doctored me off heroin. But every time I would go to see this doctor, he would ask me about my soul He would say, I'm trying my best to doctor you off of heroin, but what are you letting God do about your soul? And Johnny said, 
because I knew he cared for me and because I knew he was doctoring me in a good way and because he told me that he was praying for my recovery and my soul and I believed him, I let him talk to me. And the doctor who was helping Johnny over his heroin addiction had the privilege of leading Johnny to saving faith in Christ right in the doctor's office. And then it was that Johnny came to church and shook my hand and told me his story. But in the course of telling me his story, he said, Pastor, I came not only by this church building for years too afraid to come in, but I've actually come to the church parking lot of this building many, many times and parked my car. And some days I'm too afraid to get out of my car. And other days I was okay about getting out of my car, but I was afraid of walking in the building. And now here I am. Made me cry. There are Johnnies everywhere we are, all of us. There are Johnnies all around us. What would have happened if the doctor in Aurelia treated Johnny as a source of income only? Didn't pray for him? Didn't tell him about Christ? didn't have speech that was fitting for Johnny's need. What would have happened? Only God knows. But could it be that Johnny would still be a heroin addict and still would be driving by that church building too afraid to ever go inside? God only knows. Who are the Johnnies in your lives? Who are the Johnnies? New and improved prayer. New and improved evangelism. New and improved talk. I close with this. There are only two things that any of us can take to heaven. One is the word of God because the word of God forever stands settled in heaven. The word of God is the one thing we all can take to heaven. The other thing that we can take to heaven is people we lead to saving faith in Christ. The Johnnies. Louis Pasteur, the pioneer of immunology, lived at a time when thousands of people died each year from rabies. Pasteur had worked for years on a vaccine. Just as he was about to begin to experiment on himself, a nine-year-old boy, Joseph Meister, was bitten by a rabid dog. The boy's mother begged Pasteur to experiment on her son. Pasteur injected Joseph for 10 days, and the boy lived. Decades later, after being accomplished to so much medically, Pasteur asked for these three words to be etched on his tombstone. Joseph Meister lived. Pasteur's greatest legacy was that a little nine-year-old boy lived who was Sentenced to death from rabies until the immunization worked. Church family, what we die leaving to our families means nothing. What we accomplish in our professional or vocational careers before we die is nothing. What we drive is nothing. But what something is who God blesses us to be a part of leading to Christ. 
that something? Will there be people in heaven that will come up to you and say, I trusted Jesus because of what you did on that day? Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Good morning again, and thank you for having us in your homes. Uh, in the studio with me again this morning is Deborah Arnett, and my question for you this morning, Deborah, is what two gifts can a parent entrust to his or her children that will have a profound impact on their lives? So there are a number of different things that can be suggested. There are two that come to mind as I think of our country and different challenges that we're facing. The first one is that I believe a great gift that a parent can give to their child or children would be to foster a knowing of who they are. In other words, helping your child to form an adaptive identity. Okay. One that will be functional in an adaptive way. A sense of who am I as a person. Um, one of the things that I used to do when I worked at the Christian Counseling Center with children and adolescents, particularly with my adolescents, the first question I would ask them in the first session would be, who are you? Mm -hmm. And I would listen for their definition of self. And it was astounding to see the number of adolescents and children who would look at me and it was evident on their facial expressions. They really did not have a definition of self. Okay. Now, granted you. That is something that is formed over time, but they didn't even have a very clear vocabulary and their initial response would be, I don't know. Um, and again, adolescence is the age where you form identity, but it wasn't even as if it was something that they had begun to significantly think about. Okay. And I think that that is very important and I believe that the identity of a child is initiated through his or her interactions with his or her parents. Um, particularly, I believe the fathers play a very important role in defining who your child is. Your words are powerful and they shape your child, yeah. not just in this moment, but the entire course of your child's life. And so it is important as a parent that you speak over them life. I've said this before, but it is very important. I've sat with adolescents who can repeat to me verbatim the negative unproductive, life-slaying words spoken over them that they hold to and that they sometimes use as a justification to engage in unproductive activities. Yeah. And so clearly the parents have power, more power than um, the parents would like to believe that they have. Um, and one of their greatest tools are their words. Specifically for those who are of the Christian faith and would recognize the importance of identity. I think it's very important from a very tender age to begin to unpack for a child their understanding of who they are in God or Christ, that we mm -hmm. are created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that it shapes, again, the child's understanding of not only him or herself, but who they are in relation to their God, particularly if that is the way that you intend to raise your child and that is the upbringing that you want your child to have. Mm -hmm. The other thought related to helping 
to shape your child's identity or to provide perspective for your child in who they are is how willing are you to study your child? So a lot of parents have goals and dreams for their children. Um, they have a lot of thoughts about what they want their son to be that they've been thinking about before they even conceived the mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. Um, but there aren't a lot of parents who articulate an intimate intent to know their child. Um, again, to refer to the Christian community, a lot of individuals will assert that this is a gift from God, that mm-hmm. this child was given to me by God, that God has a purpose for this child. But they're not spending time observing the child's passions, strengths, interests, skills, and then feeding those passions, strengths, in- interests, and skills. Um, sometimes the parent will promote a specific passion, mm-hmm. or they will zone in on one that they identify with and vicariously try to live their life through their child. And they don't seem to honor the parent, that is, the distinctive makeup. You know, as a mom, I am so-and-so, this is who I am. But my daughter, Grace, this is who she is. And God has a specific purpose for her. So a lot of times you'll find parents trying to create or craft a carbon copy of themselves through the life of their child. Mm -hmm. Or correct mistakes that they made over the course of their life through the life of their child. And I think it's so important to know who is this individual that God has entrusted to you. And then help them to form a sense of self. Do you, do you think uh, this is the reason why we are encouraged to, through the word, to bring up the child in the way he or she should go? Because we are, they are different. You can have a dozen children and you won't find two of them alike. Uh, and you can't discipline them the same way. So is this, is this one of the reasons you think we need to get to know the child so you can deal with them as individuals rather than as children. I think that that is the beginning of of it, and I do believe that that is an important part of what God was articulating through the author of that text. Mm -hmm. Um, It is important to understand and know his purpose for the child Mm -hmm. above all else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm not in any way advocating that you just let a child tell you how he or she should live his or her life. I am saying, though, you be intentional in knowing the skills and the giftings and the abilities that this child possess and that are adaptive and healthy, and you promote those things so that they become the individuals that he predestined for them to become. Okay. Thank you very much, Deborah, again. And, uh, it was a pleasure having you. We will pick up from here next time. Thank you. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com Once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. I have a question here based on Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 and Matthew 4 23 reads, And Jesus was going about in all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the question here is, why did Jesus heal people and do miracles? 
Well, miracles are seen throughout biblical history, but their greatest display appears during the ministry of Christ. These miracles had six purposes. Number one, to introduce a new era. The first purpose of Jesus' miracles is to introduce the promised Messiah, who in turn announced that the kingdom is at hand. Matthew 4, verse 14, Matthew 10, verse 7. The miracles accompanied the kingdom offer and made sure that offer, proved that offer was legitimate. Matthew 12, verse 28. The second reason that Jesus healed people and did miracles was that it authenticated himself. It proved him to be who he said that he was. So this second major purpose is to authenticate the Messiahship of Jesus. His works, miracles, are a witness to his person as Messiah, the Son of God. See John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31. These miracles of Christ are the insignia, the signature of his deity and of his Messiahship. The third purpose for Jesus doing miracles when on earth was to authenticate Christ's message. As miracles were used to authenticate Christ's person, so they also served to authenticate his message. Christ appeals to his miracles in John chapter 10, verse 38, to substantiate his message concerning his oneness with the Father. His message was certified as being authentic by the miracles he performed. The fourth purpose for Jesus' miracles while on earth to instruct his disciples. After the rejection of Christ by the Jewish leaders, seen in Matthew chapter 12, his miracles were less public and became agents of instruction for the benefit of his disciples. The miracles instructed the disciples concerning Christ's power, trust in Christ's provisions, prayer, and as an outreach to the Gentiles. Matthew 15:21 through 28 and Mark chapter 7 verse 3. The fifth purpose of Jesus Christ's miracles while on earth to reveal conditions in the future kingdom. A special purpose for which Christ used his miracles was to reveal the conditions of the future kingdom, the messianic age or the millennial kingdom. The miracles foreshadow a brief display the removal of sickness, John 5, 1 to 18. Removal of death, John 11, 17 to 44. The removal of disease, Luke 14, 1 through 6. And the removal of hunger, Matthew 15, verses 32 to 38, in the coming kingdom. The miracles also point to the joy and prosperity that will characterize the kingdom of Christ on earth. See John 2, verses 1 through 11. And in that kingdom, Satan will be restricted. See Matthew 8, 28 through 34. The sixth and the last purpose of Jesus Christ's miracles when on earth is to display mercy. One final purpose of Christ's miracles was to display mercy on suffering people. His mercy and compassion often moved him to act. Uh, Matthew 14, verse 14. Matthew 15, verse 32. Mark 1, verse 41. Luke 7, verse 13. 
Jesus often healed in response to pleas for mercy. See Matthew 15, 25, Matthew 17, 15, Mark 10, verses 47 and 48, Luke 17, verse 13. Christ's healing miracles outnumber all of the other miracles. The miracles of Christ had varying results. Belief, John 2, verse 11, and John 4, verse 50. Conviction, Luke 5, verse 8. Following Jesus, Mark 10, verse 52. Emotion, Matthew 8, 27. Matthew 12, 23. Mark 7, 37. Worship, Mark 2, verse 12, and John 9, verse 38. Recognition of Christ's uniqueness, Luke chapter 7, verse 16, John chapter 6, verse 14, and rejection, Matthew chapter 12, verse 24, John chapter 5, verse 16, John chapter 11, verse 53. And now, today's personal God story. Good morning, my name is Michael Roker, and... Today I just want to share with you my personal salvation story, how I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church as a kid regularly. I went to a Bible-believing school, and I considered myself to be a Christian. Later on, as I became a teenager and eventually started to make my own decisions, I started to, I guess, go with the crowd, and I strayed away from the faith. Um, I considered the Bible just to be a set of rules that hindered me from having fun. And so I started to do my own thing and find my own way and, and find my own happiness. So I started getting into different things. I started going out to the clubs and partying and getting involved in women and drinking and even into drugs. And that carried on from in my teenage years into my early adulthood. And I did these things uh, for my own pleasure and enjoyment and happiness. And um, I thought that was the way. As time went on, I continued in this lifestyle, thinking it would make me happy and fulfilled. But it was the actual opposite. Um, I found that I started to feel uh, empty. I started to feel lonely and, and guilty for all the decisions that I was making in my life. Um, the more I indulged, the worse it became. Uh, so what I tried to do for myself was I started to um, look into different ways of curing this. So I looked into something, things beyond the physical. I, I started searching spirituality. Um, I was looking for meaning in my life and purpose and pretty much to fill the emptiness that I had. Um, I started looking at different religions. Um, I started looking into um, anything metaphysical, um, I even looked, I even tried to do meditation, but nothing filled that void, nothing worked. Um, this left me feeling more empty than ever. And I remember one night I was in, I was in my room and I was sitting down and I thought, um, I tried everything. I did all that I could do. Um, I was pretty much at my end. I was at rock bottom. There was nothing else I could do. I, I tried everything. I tried searching, um, tried to find my own happiness, but it just, it just did not work out. I was, I was drawing a blank. And so the last thing I could think of, of course, was a prayer. So I reached out to God and I prayed and I asked him, 
I said, God, if you really do exist, if you are real, then show me who you are. I want to know the truth. I really just, I tried everything on my own and it's not working. So I really want to know who you are and I, would, I just want to know the truth. And I begged him that night just to show me who he really was. Um, I knew that I couldn't rely on myself anymore because that failed. So I just asked him to um, show me who he was. After this, not too far after that, maybe a few weeks, um, an uncle of mine who was living in the United States for a very long time, he moved back to the Bahamas. And um, I connected with him and hung out with him for a bit uh, just to catch up from when he was living in the Bahamas. And one thing that I noticed was that um, he had a relationship with Jesus. So he would start talking to me about Jesus and um, about God and the Bible. And, and um, I found interest in that and I started to observe him. And I noticed that um, he had a, a strong love for Jesus and, and, he had a, and he had a reverence for him. He respected him, he loved him, and he had a strong devotion toward Jesus Christ. And um, that attracted me to look back into Jesus again and who he really was. And so I started to study the Bible with him. I started to pray with him, have a lot of conversations about Christianity and about the faith. Um, also at the same time, a co-worker of mine, she invited, um, she started a Bible study at my work with, with a few of the co-workers there um, every Tuesday and Thursday, I think. And so I joined that. And um, it was just a, a short Bible study, about a half an hour during our lunchtime, every Tuesday and Thursday. And so um, I, found, I found that to be a, a help as well. However, one day after the Bible study, uh, the leader who was a pastor, he asked me to meet up with him um, at Starbucks. And so I thought there was no harm in that. So I, I did that. I met up with him and we started talking. And he really challenged me about my personal uh, relationship with Jesus. Um, I was, I was kind of taken aback by this uh, because I know I believed that Jesus existed. I believe that he died, rose again. But I never really had that personal relationship with him. Um, and so after that, for a few weeks, I just started studying with uh, this pastor, uh, the, the Word of God, and, and I was really challenged to think about what Jesus meant in my life. And so I really struggled for a while there because of all the things that I've done. I didn't think that Jesus would really accept me uh, for all the bad things that I've done, all the bad decisions I've made, and, um, and basically who I was. Um, but going back into the Bible and, and looking at his promises, he, I realized that um, he died for me. He had so much love for me that no matter all the things I've done, he died so that I can have a relationship with him and that I can be forgiven. And he took the punishment that I was supposed to receive, and he loved me so much that he did that for me. And so that's the motivation that, that um, I decided to uh, trust in him, trust what he did for me, and to devote uh, myself to him. So I completely surrendered to him uh, during those weeks. And after that, I just got back into studying the Bible. And following that, I started to look for a church. I went around to a few different churches, and I finally landed here at Calvary Bible Church, where I got baptized. And um, I was welcomed in by everybody in the church, and I started um, some Bible studies with the men 
started to learn more about my faith. And um, a little later on, I started to get involved in some of the youth ministries here, um, which was great as well. And just seeing how God reached out to me and what He's done for me has made, made such a huge impact in my life. You know, I, I trusted on myself and I trusted in what I could do for myself to get happiness. But I realized now that I had to place my trust in Christ and who He was um, in order to fill that void. And so I just want to say, if you've never made that personal decision today to put your faith in Him, um, if you think you've done so much wrong that He won't forgive you, um, He always will. He's loved you that much that He died for your sins, that you may be forgiven today. I would invite you today to make that decision if you never have, because He loves you and He will always pursue you. So in that, I just want to thank you for listening to my personal testimony, and God bless. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.